You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Yeah, Mary, I don't think many people know that Sibling Talk really has reporters all over the world. We, we, have, <laughs> we have an international network of uh, uh, reporters. Uh, for instance, my friend Jessica in Yorkshire in England, and I checked in with Jessica how things were going, and she said, oh, it's feckin' awful. <laughs> they are, the quality of our reporting is not always that good uh, there, but but we had that. But uh, you know, one of our most important uh, reporting groups are our people in Paris, and exactly. I understand you have some reports. How are things going with the COVID in France? Well, as you know, if you even are watching anything in the United States, any media, Europe is a mess. And France is completely locked down again. So they're back to, um, remember when the pandemic first started, you had to have like a permission to leave your house. Um, And you could only be in family groups of less than, I think it's six people, something like that. So it's back to that lockdown. But my brother-in-law is a doctor. He treats COVID patients. And he said the interesting thing is, is that the patients he's seeing are different from who he was seeing nine months ago, meaning that the older people are vaccinated. So you're not seeing that. So you really are seeing folks like 35 to 50, let's say 35 to 55 with the same thing we've seen here with the the comorbidity of uh, weight. So that's that's really who's being admitted to the hospitals. Um, and, you know, the vaccine issue or the vaccination rate is so low there. So the, the problem, I think, is, is there an end in sight? And, you know, whereas we are starting to have what I call the end of the tunnel syndrome, which is like, get me vaccinated, get it over with. Um, they're, they're not, they're like how we were in the fall where you just, there's no end in sight. And I think that's very difficult. The other thing that I've wondered about Europe is you're going to now have another summer with no tourists in a part of the world that depends the lifeblood of that, you know, their economies in many places is tourism. And I, I don't know what that means long term. I mean, you can, I, I don't know. It, it's really, really troubling. I mean, we, uh, you and I, so many Americans love Europe and love going to Europe, but you can't even imagine the next time that it'll be safe to go there. I can't see it. So yeah, that's now, bad. Yeah, it is terrible. And of course, among the tourists, they will be missing. Uh, are you and me and our families uh, there who who would otherwise go uh, this summer, right? And- exactly. I mean, we, we had planned to go near the end of the summer thinking, well, we'll be vaccinated. They'll be vaccinated. And, um, you know, maybe now you'll start seeing more vaccinations after the AstraZeneca thing seems to have been 
tamped down a little bit, but there is a surprising amount of vaccine hesitancy in Europe that I didn't expect. I didn't realize that they have the same anti-science thing going on there that we have here. So I don't know, but, you know, getting 50% vaccinated isn't going to be enough to have me feel comfortable. Well, and I mean, this relies on another part of the sibling talk network of international news, the New York Times, uh, <laughs> is a, a key source for us. But apparently, there have been a series of problems uh, related to AstraZeneca. I mean, the withdrawal of it and the question of the reliability is just one, which it turns out was not really a question. It was a set of anecdotes, but they pulled back and looked at it. Uh, but at, uh, first, it appears the European Union did not order enough vaccines. And even at that, AstraZeneca has been unable to provide that. So there's a shortage of, uh, of vaccines there at, at this point. Uh, it's, it looks like the United States is going to approve, that AstraZeneca is going to submit uh, their test results for approval here. But from the reporting in the Times, we they're not going to be ready with that until at least late May and we probably are not going to need it. And so that can probably be sent somewhere. Let's send it thought, to France. I thought we were going to um, divert our AstraZeneca, uh, the what we committed to from AstraZeneca, to Canada. Yeah, Canada and, and Mexico, right? Or did right. I have that wrong? I'm not and sure the, about the Mexico, but I, I know that Mexico, that part of the discussion that's going on with Mexico about border crossing and all those people has to do also with availability of vaccination vaccines to Mexico. So I think we're uh -huh. going to start to see some, you know, they call vaccine diplomacy because, you know, the United States, you know, again, where you have to give Trump credit is that they did lock up a lot of these doses from these companies. And the three main companies are American companies. So um, there is this sense that not not the Chinese, because they've got their own vaccine. And I also, just as an aside, heard that Chinese, China is only going to allow people to visit China who have taken the Chinese vaccine. No kidding. Now, yeah. Now, whether they can maintain that or not, I don't know, particularly given the amount of business that's done with the United States and companies in the United States. But that's a whole other thing, right? I mean, it's not like you take our vaccine, but back to the what the United States did and, and why being, you know, the major power in the world matters, the biggest economy in the world is you, the, the companies that are making that significant vaccine. And just as an aside, you know, one of the things we complain about in the United States all the time is the cost of drugs as opposed to the rest of the world, right? Because these pharma companies are U.S. companies, and they say we're taking all the risk, and that has to be paid for by someone. And it always feels like American consumers, because of our healthcare system, pays the cost of these drugs that the, yes, the rest of the world, Canada, Mexico sells much more cheaply. And I thought, well, I, I just had this weird thought about that this weekend, which is this is one of those times where the 
system that hurts us in many other ways is benefiting us today because there's not been an incentive for these big pharma companies to move somewhere else, staying in the United States and the laws we have about pharmacological inventions uh, benefited them from staying here. Finally, it worked out for us. Yeah, it worked for us. <laughs> I, I mean, it relates to this. I, I have another report from one of our reporters on the ground. Uh, this is on the west side of Chicago, specifically at the United Center, which is one of the FEMA sites. This is where, like, the Chicago Bulls and the Blackhawks play and everything. And I had misunderstood. I thought people were coming in like on the floor where they play basketball. They're not. Uh, they're using the parking lot uh, for this big, big parking lot. And I just was told uh, that somebody went through that test and it works so smoothly and so easily that from when they pulled in to when they pulled out was like 20 minutes, really quick. Now, one of the questions I had when I had uh, uh, the shot, I had to go and sit somewhere for 15 minutes but maybe that's because I'm an old guy. I, I don't know what it is. The importance here was this. Part of what our reporter told us was that they keep setting a new record every day for how many people they get through that that site. And the employees there are kind of proud about that. They're kind of psyched. And they were telling, you know, we're going to hit a new number today. Here's, I think, the importance. It seems like we're going to have that adequate supply of vaccine. Maybe we even have that already now. But the other bottleneck of getting this out into people's arm seems to be easing. Things are moving through more and more quickly. Uh, we have another reporter there in Cleveland uh, who's our, our brother. And he reported that our sister-in-law went down, I think, to Cleveland State Arena and was in and out in like 15 minutes in the same thing. So doesn't it seem like that part of the bottleneck is going away? Yes, I mean, and, and it's something you and I said long ago, which is you've got to put the military. So those sites, the National Guard sites, the sites here, the site here is being run by the military. And what do they do best? Logistics. So um, I think you're right. Now The when you're just talking to people, they're talking about, First or second dose, where did you get it? How long did it take? Whereas two months ago, we were talking about, I'm on a list at 20 different places. And, you know, a couple more months from now, I don't know what we'll be talking about, but um, it won't be, did you get your vaccine? More will be like, have you been to that new place on Euclid Avenue? Because there was an article, I think it was in the Post, about... Uh, a restaurant saying their sales were up 70 percent and they realized everybody sitting there eating dinner and drinking were like over than older than 60 years old wow. <laughs> it's not because they're vaccinated and people are ready to start to go out again so it's like a preview of uh, what everyone's predicted is that as you get people vaccinated you know you're going to see people out and about again the thing that's interesting to me is i I'm ready to go out again, but if I go into a place and it looks to me, and how would I know? Like there's a lot of people there not vaccinated. I don't think I'd go inside. So will restaurants have the incentive, the willingness to say, show me your vaccination card before wow. you come in? 
I don't know. What do you think about that? I don't know. It could be. It seems to me it'd be really nice if we had, what you know, the Scarlet A that said adulteress uh, <laughs> from Nathaniel Hawthorne? If we had a Scarlet M, if you're not vaccinated, then you have to carry a, an N uh, on that. That would be a possi possibility. I don't know. I think there's some real promise in this. I do note that, you know, with the the people over 60 and so forth going out, these, of course, are the baby boomers like you and me. And we have dominated the economy ever since we turned 13 or 14 years years old, which is, you know, gave ri rise to the cynical comment a couple of years ago where younger people would say, what did they say? OK, boomer, oh. I think. Okay, boomer. Yeah. Okay, yeah, boomer. Okay, boomer. You know, they can resent it as much as they want. But once again, in the economic recovery, it's going to be about the boomers. Uh, the the <laughs> well, younger people can John, go to Miami Beach, but we're going to shut that down, too. <laughs> well, I mean, what will change is once you get down to 18-year-olds and people get vaccinated. And then I think the conversation, which is our, we're already starting to have, is, what about those folks that are refusing to be vaccinated? What do you do with those people? Do you respect that and say that's a legitimate view of the science and you don't trust it and you have the right to do that? Or is there some shunning going on? And I was having a conversation about this because when the vaccines that we would have been kids first started to come out for, say, polio, um, all the childhood diseases and smallpox, which was just about done by the time, you know, when we were young. Um, you know, I can't imagine in a million years our parents saying we're not going to be vaccinated. But they had lived through the scourges of those diseases. They knew people who had polio. And so anything to avoid it, they would have done. I wonder if in a generation of people who... So anybody under 50, you know, would not have gotten the smallpox vaccine, would not have gotten polio, I suspect, as well. So, you know, since you really haven't had the scourge of that and maybe they not seen COVID for the uh, terrible thing that it is, it's like, well, it's my choice. And as a, as a matter of public health, what do we think about that? Is it someone's choice? Yeah, is it? And I, the thing that's intrigued me, you and I talked about this once, was will employers play a role? Will they say, nope, sorry, you cannot come back to work unless you've been vaccinated? Right, right. And that, that's really where the power to get people vaccinated will be. Absolutely. And it'd be interesting to hear if uh, there's an announcement from McDonald's uh, there, which would have a huge cultural cultural effect. Very interesting stuff. That was interesting that China only uh, wants Chinese vaccine. I wonder if the state of New Jersey will not allow anybody in who hasn't had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. <laughs> And, and you know there's a shortage of those J and J vaccines. So I, I know. There was and, and you know people were saying, "Gee, will people accept the J and J vaccine?" I just talked to somebody who said, "I'm getting the Johnson Johnson vaccine tomorrow, and I'm so excited uh, because I'm a one shot person." Yeah, exactly. you know, everything turns around. 
All right. We have so much work to do this week. We do. We do. Talk to you Talk soon. Talk to you Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.